Chapter Six of the Spider by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Six: Two Conversations. The inquest duly took place, but no evidence was forthcoming likely to lead to the capture of the assassin that he was the spider there of course could be no doubt since the declaration of vernon went to show that the late mr dimsdale had made an appointment with the blackmailer naturally the whole story had to be told at the inquest and the public became aware through the medium of the newspapers that the dead man had a secret it could not have been a dishonourable secret was the general opinion else mr dimsdale would scarcely have risked revelation using it whatever it might be as a decoy to lure the spider into a trap he had lost his life in the attempt to capture the famous criminal and if the spider had been celebrated before he was still more celebrated now and in a more sinister way formerly the police had wanted him as an extortioner now he was inquired for as a murderer the rangoon crime as it came to be called made a mighty sensation as there was that about it which appealed to the somewhat jaded taste of the public that a man should be strangled in his own library and in the very house where nearly one hundred people were dancing was truly wonderful when the sequel was that the assassin had escaped the windows of the library had neither blinds nor curtains guests had been talking and walking in the garden on the other side of the tall laurel hedge cabs and carriages with attendants had been waiting in the road yet the spider had come and gone like a shadow behind the frail concealment of the screen a terrible crime had taken place and far from hurrying his departure the criminal had actually lingered to search for the money he hoped to get it was proved at the inquest that he did not get his plunder for inquiries at mr dimsdale's bank showed that the thousand pounds had not been drawn undoubtedly since the dead man had intended to defy the blackmailer the secret could not have been one to be ashamed of but what the secret was the public never knew vernon as he had stated to inspector dench was not proud that he had been so cleverly tricked into temporary imprisonment by the spider and would fain have kept that episode to himself but for the rounding off of the case it was necessary that it should be told and thus sensation was piled upon sensation vernon however contrived to keep the name of miss corsoon to himself and drench and it was vaguely stated in the papers that vernon had been inveigled to west kensington on the plea of helping a woman inquiries proved that the landlord had never been applied to as regards the letting of number thirty four the spider had simply seen that the house was empty and had gained access thereto by means of a skeleton key for one single evening he had utilized the house as a prison and when the police searched the same which they did from cellar to attic they found no trace of the spider or of the white-faced woman who had played so clever a comedy the daring evinced in connection with the west kensington house was amazing the escape of the assassin from rangoon scarcely less so and the whole formed a case unexampled in the annals of crime for cool audacity and the outcome of the affair was extremely unsatisfactory nothing could be discovered concerning the whereabouts of the spider 
and whether he belonged to a gang or worked single-handed no one could say the man defied both detective and policeman and laughed at the attempts of the law to lay him by the heels letters were written to the papers and leading articles appeared clamouring that immediate action should be taken against the spider who was a menace to civilization the police did all that was possible and hunted london in the vain endeavour to lay hands on the rascal but without success the spider left no tracks behind him and could not be followed to his lair a verdict of wilful murder was brought against him and a reward of one thousand pounds was offered at the instance of the murdered man's daughter for his apprehension but nothing further came of the matter the crime was a nine days wonder but as the days grew into weeks and weeks into months public interest dwindled it seemed likely that the murder of martin dimsdale would have to be relegated to the list of undiscovered crimes even inspector drench despaired of success and gloomily shook his head only vernon remained firm in his intention to solve the mysteries of the murder and the spider and he said as much to mrs bedge two months after dimsdale had been laid in his grave maunder's aunt was a thin aristocratic pale-faced old lady prim in her dress and manners she occupied a quiet unpretentious house at hampstead not far from rangoon a note from her had brought vernon to see her and now the two were seated in a pointedly antiquated drawing-room talking earnestly everything about the house and its owner was prim and the whole atmosphere suggested early victorian days it seemed strange that so dismal and old-fashioned a house could be the home of an intensely modern young man like constantine maunders but as mrs bedge informed vernon her nephew gave her very little of his society as he had engaged rooms in town and lived in them the greater part of the week he only comes from a saturday to a monday to stop here sighed mrs bedge folding her lean mittened hands on her drab-hued dress yet he knows how fond i am of his company constantine was always selfish remarked vernon bluntly mrs bedge protested with the foolish fondness of an old woman oh indeed you must not say that constantine is high-spirited and i dare say that he thinks this place somewhat dull but when he is here i invariably find him thoughtful and affectionate this was very probable since mrs bedge had money and maunders expected to be her heir it was not likely that so astute a person would risk the loss of a fortune something of this sort must have revealed itself in vernon's eyes for mrs bedge with the swift instinct of a woman guessed what he was thinking about no she said in her plaintive way it is not greed of money that makes constantine love me but his own sweet nature which gives affection unasked constantine knows that i have spent a great deal on his education and in fitting him out for life now i have very little money left this house the furniture and a few hundreds a year when i die he will receive very little poor boy i thought it best that he should enjoy the money while he was young and without waiting for my death constantine ought to work said vernon wondering at the blindness which could describe maunders as unselfishly affectionate he intends to when he can find something to his mind and then he is so handsome that he may make a rich marriage i thought ida dimsdale would have taken him sighed the old lady she has ten thousand a year and is also a very charming girl 
but there is no hope for constantine there you astonish me said vernon and meant what he said i understood from mr dimsdale himself that his daughter was in love with constantine she was she seemed to be quite crazy about him but that was before the terrible death of her father two months ago since then she has shut herself up with miss hest at rangoon and when constantine has seen her she has been quite different she loves him no longer and as good as told the poor boy so it nearly broke his heart i don't think constantine's heart is so easily broken said vernon grimly and relapsed into silence it struck him as strange that ida should cease to love the handsome scamp considering how infatuated she had been with him for months but if things were as mrs bedge stated there was a chance that colonel towton's warm devotion would be appreciated there was also the chance and vernon winced when he thought of it that having no opportunity of marrying ida the pleasure-loving maunders would prosecute his wooing of miss corsoon with renewed vigour in which case and in spite of lucy's pronounced liking for him vernon thought dismally that there would be little likelihood of his own success a more dangerous rival than maunders when he really put his heart into love-making can scarcely be imagined mrs bedge broke in upon these meditations and what we have been speaking about brings me to the reason why i asked you to come and see me she said smoothing her dress and arranging the old-fashioned bracelets she wore you see as i tell you i am not rich and as i have informed you ida does not love constantine as she used to now i want you to consider if it could possibly be arranged that i could become ida's companion vernon started with astonishment he did not think that mrs bedge would prove a very cheerful companion to a young girl and moreover it seemed strange that at her age she should wish for such a position she must be poor indeed and considering how constantine had drained her this was scarcely to be wondered at miss hest acts more or less as miss dimsdale's companion remarked vernon with some hesitation i think she is a most dangerous woman said mrs bedge a warm colour flushing her faded cheeks she is a public reciter i may be old-fashioned but i do not think it is right that a young girl like ida should be so friendly with a woman who appears on the stage vernon laughed at this echo of early victorian prudery miss hest only recites at concerts and at homes he explained she can scarcely be called an actress i look upon her as such said mrs bedge primly i have known ida for years when her father was in burma he sent her to school in england and she always spent her holidays with me that is how constantine came to fall in love with her it has been the dream of my life to see them married especially as ida is rich and needs a man to look after her money i wish to become ida's companion not only because i am one of her oldest friends and need to supplement my income but because i hope to influence her again in my boy's favour i understand vernon smiled quietly as he thought that if maunders looked after ida's money there would be little of it left in a few years but he quite understood as he had acknowledged the affectionate scheme of the fond old woman who was a slave to her adopted son i can scarcely advise you mrs bedge miss hest is a lady there can be no doubt on that point and her character is above reproach also she is clever and strong-minded 
the kind of companion miss dimsdale wants for i should not think he added after a pause that miss dimsdale was capable of managing her large fortune i have seen very little of her since the funeral i suppose the will was proved and she is in possession of her money there was no will said mrs bedge unexpectedly constantine learned that from ida herself she merely inherited as next of kin which is the same thing why poor martin i call mr dimsdale martin because i knew him for years and years she explained in parentheses why poor martin never made a will i can't say but he did not strange reflected vernon musingly so business like a man would certainly have made a will i should have thought however as miss dimsdale has inherited as next of kin it doesn't matter failing her the money i presume would have gone to lady corsoon certainly but ida as a daughter of poor martin takes precedence of julia as the sister but think of all that money mr vernon being at the mercy of an adventuress like miss hest i don't think she is an adventuress mrs bedge and i can't see how the money is at her mercy i see it very plainly said mrs bedge with asperity miss hest has a most extraordinary influence over ida and not a healthy one since she has permitted her to shut herself up for weeks the natural grief of miss dimsdale there are bounds to grief interrupted the old lady sharply and the young recover from sorrow quicker than do the aged poor martin was a good father and ida does right to mourn him but not to the ridiculous extent of shutting her up for two months with that woman you don't seem to like miss hest no i don't oh i haven't a word to say against her character i dare say she is a lady and perfectly correct in her behaviour but she is not the companion for ida besides she comes and goes from rangoon at her will and is not a regular companion such as the girl should have miss hest so constantine tells me lives at isleworth with a horrid old retired actor and his wife professor garrick gale yes she told me that herself so brazen sniffed mrs bedge more prim than ever it's not right i tell you mr vernon someone should interfere no one can mrs bedge miss dimsdale is her own mistress being over age and has her own money she has a right to live as she pleases not in my opinion mr vernon it's not respectable could you not see her and suggest that she should sell or let rangoon and come here to live with me as her paid companion also she could help to keep this house vernon almost laughed so selfish was the proposition and thought it very unlikely that ida would surrender the charming residence of rangoon and the intellectual society of miss hest to shut herself up with a buckram old dame in a stuffy second-rate dwelling i am not intimate enough with miss dimsdale to suggest such a thing but you are searching for the assassin of her father persisted mrs bedge with the dogged obstinacy of age out of gratitude she should adopt your suggestion besides you would be glad to see your old schoolfellow constantine settled for life it was on vernon's lips to say that he would be very sorry to see any woman let alone ida dimsdale tied to a selfish creature like mr maunders but out of pity for the infatuated old lady he refrained besides since she believed constantine to be an angel no one would ever be able to argue her out of that fantasy other people are searching for the spider also he said gently so miss dimsdale has no particular reason to show me any gratitude 
especially as she has offered the reward of one thousand pounds i know constantine is trying to earn it the deuce he is sprang from vernon's lips mrs bedge drew up her spare form and folded her hands i do not like slaying mr vernon then when he apologized she continued constantine wants to earn the money and also if he catches the spider ida will surely marry him out of sheer gratitude i think he has a stronger reason to catch the spider said vernon dryly mrs bedge coloured and looked aside i guess what you mean as i asked poor martin to speak to you on the subject of that attempted blackmail it was scandalous was it not however i have heard no more from the wicked creature and i don't think i shall after committing this crime it is not likely that the spider will dare to continue in his wickedness well said vernon standing up to take his leave i certainly have not heard of any one being blackmailed lately perhaps the spider thinks that he has gone too far and is afraid i suggested myself to constantine that he should capture the spider if he wished to become my partner in that is broke off vernon in some confusion he might i understand said mrs bedge quietly i know that you are nemo poor martin revealed your private business when he suggested that he should consult you about the spider's attempt to blackmail me but you can be perfectly satisfied i shall not betray your secret having she smiled faintly one of my own he looked at her inquiringly i don't understand i refer to the accusation the spider brought against me went on mrs bedge her eyes glittering feverishly and her breath coming and going in gasps oh it was shameful that a man should dare to accuse me of immorality yes there is no need for us to mince words mr vernon of immorality why the only man i ever loved was martin himself then he went to india and i was worried by my family into marrying mr bedge my sister married his partner constantine mavrocordato maunders i understood the name was that was the english name he took and that is why his son my adopted boy but really my nephew comes to be called so i never liked mavrocordato and to think that this spider should accuse me me she clenched her thin hand and all the primness fled she was no longer a precise old lady of a precise epoch but an angry and insulted woman if i could find this man mr vernon i should strike him across the lips i urged constantine to hunt him down both to gain the gratitude of ida by punishing the murder of her father and because i wished the spider to be punished for the insult he put upon me should you find him mr vernon don't spare him i can promise you that said vernon very grimly for the decoying still rankled in his breast still as yet we can find out nothing about him if he blackmails you again let me know then we can arrange a trap so that i may be murdered like poor martin no thank you i'll see that such a thing doesn't occur a second time but i fancy you can set your mind at rest mrs bedge the spider is too much wanted for him to continue his little games the risk is too great i dare say he'll turn his attention to america or to the colonies mrs bedge followed him to the door then you think that he has left england she inquired eagerly i don't think so i think well i scarcely know what to think leave things as they are mrs bedge and sooner or later i hope to capture the rascal now i must leave you 
will you see ida and suggest my scheme to be her companion i don't know her well enough to suggest it bluntly but i shall see her some day and hint at your idea and please keep your eye on constantine i fear he is ruining his health with society i see very little of constantine mrs Bedge, and i fear he would not take any well-meant advice i might offer him finally he got away from the prim house although mrs Bedge was anxious to keep him in conversation when on the heath breathing the widely blown air he drew a long breath to refresh his lungs he did not wonder that maunders remained as little as possible in that tomb for it was nothing else to a pleasure-loving lively young man accustomed to be petted by pretty women and welcomed by moneyed men the society of his aunt and the atmosphere of her stuffy house would naturally be abhorrent and constantine was not the individual likely to deny himself a merry life for the sake of attending on the woman to whom he owed so much he had absolutely no idea of the meaning of the word gratitude most people and maunders was one of them do not know that there is such a word in the dictionaries walking along musingly vernon remembered how dimsdale had spoken of emily bedge and how he also had stated as she had done that they were in love when young now dimsdale was dead and the girl he had so admired was a faded old woman cherishing a foolish affection for one who would never return the same and who had no intention of returning it considering the lonely life and sad history and dismal present position of mrs Bedge, the young man began to think that after all it would be a charity to persuade ida dimsdale to take her as a companion in the society of the girl mrs Bedge might grow youthful again of course her presence might be dangerous as she would certainly do her best to persuade ida into marrying constantine and assuredly the infatuation of ida might revive vernon wondered how it had died away and what causes had been at work to make ida regard with indifference the handsome face of the scamp from the hint given by mrs Bedge, he began to believe that this was the work of miss hest if so it was no wonder that the old woman spoke ill of her of course mrs Bedge was biased for vernon himself believed frances hest to be a clever capable woman who was likely to prove a tower of strength to ida since the girl's character although sweet was not particularly firm but then there was always the chance that miss hest might become a tyrant thinking in this way vernon suddenly stumbled against a man coming from the opposite direction also deep in thought they looked up with a mutual apology and both burst out laughing the newcomer was colonel towton and he explained himself as they shook hands i have just been to see miss dimsdale said the colonel crisply and she gave me so much to think about that i was in a brown study and i have come from mrs Bedge, who also made me think observed vernon with a smile hence i ran into you where are you going colonel back to town said the military man promptly but i am walking i always walk as much as possible in london for the sake of necessary exercise perhaps you would rather drive no i prefer to walk i am glad to have met you towton as i wish to speak with you privately curious said the colonel screwing his glass into his eye i had you in my mind when i ran into you let us walk down the hill and talk there is more privacy in the open air than anywhere else well well echoed vernon as they turned their faces towards london what do you wish to say i'll come to the point circuitously retorted the colonel smartly so you have been to see mrs Bedge? poor old dimsdale told me about her 
my rival's aunt i believe yes a quaint old lady of the albert period towton shuddered i know the style vernon stiff and prudish and dowdy hm rather a contrast to our young friend he's devilish handsome and infernally modern i suppose the old lady gives him plenty of money he always seems to be in the forefront of things yet i don't like him somehow his voice doesn't ring true but there perhaps i am prejudiced since he courts miss dimsdale i'm a man and not a saint so i feel jealous you have no need to be colonel eh hey, what the colonel stopped abruptly and his eyes sparkled do you mean to say that he has ceased to court miss dimsdale well well he went on without waiting for a reply i shouldn't wonder i might have guessed as much for three or four times i have been to the corsoons and maunders was always there making furious love to that pretty lucy of theirs you had better look after her if you intend to make her your wife vernon lady corsoon always receives me so coldly that i scarcely dare call confessed the young man dismally i dare say maunders has put a spoke in my wheel in that quarter yes but hang it he can't mean to marry both girls you forget what i hinted just now towton mrs bedge assured me and with great grief as she wants the marriage to take place that miss dimsdale has ceased to care for her nephew only military self-control prevented the colonel from throwing his tall hat in the air i thought she was kinder to me to-day he said jubilantly and she never mentioned maunders name now i think of it do you believe that i have a chance vernon a better one than you ever had replied vernon heartily and you may be sure i shall endeavour to aid you in every way but by the way how is miss dimsdale i have only seen her once since the burial of her father and of course then she was overcome with grief towton thought for a moment before replying to tell you the truth vernon i don't think that dark-browed young woman is a good companion for her in any way why not vernon was rather struck that mrs bedge and the colonel should unknowingly agree on this point she is clever oh i dare say and if you ask me a sight too clever grumbled the colonel shouldering his thin umbrella like a gun ida well i can call her ida to you since we have become so friendly ida is a charming girl but not strong-minded i shouldn't seek her for my wife if she were as i hate masterful women miss hest is of that sort and she seems to have too much control over ida in fact i may be wrong and i wouldn't say this to anyone but yourself but it's a kind of hypnotism hmm do you remember what the concini woman said about her supposed magical influence over marie de medici that she only used the influence of a strong mind over a weak one oh i don't think ida is weak-minded said the colonel hastily she is a sweet loving delightful girl who would make any man happy but miss hest is what i call a cat yes an amiable cat so long as things go to her liking but i'm sure she could show her claws if necessary does she support maunders she supports no one but herself it seems to me that she finds that the reciting doesn't pay and so hopes to become ida's companion for life if ida married she'd be nowhere i fancy for that reason she wishes to keep ida single and so doesn't countenance either maunders or myself vernon mused he remembered how he had fancied that miss hest might have been the person to undermine maunders chances now towton was saying the same thing 
however he said nothing while the colonel walking and talking vigorously continued his speech besides said towton there's a queer strain in the family gerby hall where the brother lives is three miles from my place brother and sister are twins exactly like one another but they don't hit it off together gerby hall is supposed to be haunted and people think the hests to be mad or queer or the deuce knows what francis hest doesn't seem to be mad said vernon dryly well i don't know her head seems to be screwed on all right but she believes in occultism and all that sort of thing her influence is unhealthy for she induced ida to go to diabella who vernon nodded i know diabella is a fortune-teller in bond street and is supposed to be very clever what did she tell miss dimsdale oh that i couldn't find out but it made her ill gave her a headache or something ida said very little seemed averse to speaking about her visit and miss hest supplied all the information she was full of the wonderful things which diabella had told ida what wonderful things i can't say i told you that ida refused to speak about the matter but i intend to find out something about this diabella and therefore i am going to call on her i have an appointment in three days she'll tell you nothing about miss dimsdale of course not but i shall be able to see what kind of a woman she is i don't want ida to get under another bad influence that of miss hest is quite enough i am clever enough to read this diabella's character and if possible i shall try and prevent ida from seeing her again it's just as well tell me what you hear from this fortune-teller towton shrugged his shoulders oh it will be the same old rubbish about love and money and marriage i don't believe in these mercenary occult people myself although i have every faith in the genuine sort i have met in india now one of those vernon would soon spot this damned spider why not ask diabella i shall do so gad it's an idea but then i don't think occultists who take money are the real truth-tellers however it can do no harm asking her so i shall do so by the way vernon have you heard if the police have stumbled on the track of that rogue not yet drench tells me that nothing has been discovered i am trying to hunt him down myself you pooh 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 towton said good-humouredly why it needs a trained man to do that the spider is as clever as the devil hang him to think that i was at the ball and in the next room when your poor old friend was being strangled by that beast i tell you what sir the strangling put me in mind of the thugs what do you mean asked vernon quickly it's only an idea but this spider strangled the old man so cleverly and so quietly that i wondered if he was some nigger who had known dimsdale in india or burma and so had learned his secret whatever it might be it's a queer way of looking at it murmured vernon thoughtfully and dimsdale's secret has to do with the east i fancy there may be something in what you say i'll think it over do said towton cordially and i'll come to your rooms to report on my proposed interview with this bond street witch of endor on this understanding they parted having had a most interesting conversation on important subjects there may be something in towton's idea thought vernon end of chapter six read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california